Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, and welcome to the Event Horizon. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, and with me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Geeking out. (laughs) And the reason we're geeking out is because we have with us this evening a very special guest, Miss Christian Nettapak. Hi, guys. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Nettapak or Nettapak? Nettapak. Nettapak, yeah. Nettapak. One of those crazy weird last names. Welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you with us. This is actually... This is actually your second time on Krypton Radio, not your first. It is my second time. I like to be, you know, repeat offender. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were on. You are on our other show, Stolen Droids. Yes. And they they are uh, they are a very popular uh, uh, tech podcast normally, but they also run as a radio show on Krypton Radio, and they have been twice nominated for. Uh, the annual podcast awards. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, once in 2012 and once in 2013. Well, they've got to enter the Geeky Awards, which is... I, know. I, I am, I am, I have poked Zook, uh, uh, Zook Arakakis a couple of times to get him to sign up because I think he really should. Yeah, well, you know, keep poking him because now's the time. Now's the time. We're, we actually, um, yeah, I can't say anything, but we have somebody coming on board that is potentially, uh, basically this year we're having uh, sponsors per category, if they decide to. Some, you know, some categories might be sponsored, some might not be, um, but there are certain things that come with that. There might be gifts and that sort of thing, so podcast is one of them that's very popular, mm-hmm. it's very popular and of interest to many people, so um, we've got to poke them because might be worth their time. Well, podcasts are, are accessible to everybody. You know? Exactly. Everybody it's in actually, the geekosphere, anyway. Yeah, it's actually a web series and the podcasts and blogs categories are the two top most entered categories in our show, which is really super cool because I think I think those are where people are really going out there and making work and making things happen and, and they um, understand and appreciate the value of awards in their industry. And so, yeah, we have a lot of entries in both of those. It's pretty cool. Well, it's a very immediate, uh, a very immediate medium. You know, it's it's uh, something you experience in real time, unlike most of the other things. Exactly, exactly. Well, Jenny in the garage can make her own podcast and enter it. You can. This is this is the one way that any the the the, the level playing field where anybody could excel. Yeah, and I and I love it because you know, our mission, um, and this is something we can talk about here, is our mission really is 
to give the independent creator a voice. You know, it's the people that are creating their own websites, that are creating their own podcasts, that are at home, you know, knitting. I just I just saw some really adorable craft come in, and I was looking at the picture. I mean, people are at home making things, and they want more exposure. And this is sort of the place that we've created for that. We are all about people that are taking a chance on themselves and doing it. Because not everybody in this world is doing it. You know, they're talking about doing it. They want to do it. They see other people doing it, but they're not doing it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the podcast industry is is so easy that it doesn't put that hindrance of production and hiring a big team and this huge monetary need um, in place. It's just something that you can get a microphone and, you know, you've got talent and you can just get yourself out there. And so it's a really, really wonderful thing. There are so many of them, though. I mean, there's, it's, there's, (laughs) I mean, this is one of the reasons why we started our own radio station, because there are hundreds of podcasts. There are literally hundreds of sci-fi podcasts. There There are are only, uh, I think three sci-fi radio stations on earth right now. And we are the only one that isn't focused on like just Star Trek or just Star Wars. That's great. We're, we're the only, we're pretty much it. We're pretty much the only one out there. I love those two, but you know, it's that's the thing. Is yeah, you steady diet pop- of it. <laughs> you have something you know, that's popular, doesn't... but how often can you talk about it? <laughs> well, and and the answer is you can't. And uh, the other the other stations they have they claim to be this themed or that themed, but you go and listen, and it's top forty. You know, yeah. just like everybody else. Yeah, we're the only radio station that actually runs the genre twenty four hours a day. So, uh, yeah, but we do, we do it because we, uh, part of the reason was to stand out because we don't fit in a category this way. Right. Of right. course, that's, well, that's also good. Our... good for you guys. You know, yeah. that, like I told you, you can have award winning podcast on your network. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and we hope we do. Well, and, and <laughs> exactly, like exactly. I, like yeah, I was saying, Stolen Droids <laughs> has been nominated twice and they got, uh, so uh, they got nominated twice, uh, and they were in the finalists each time. And out of, uh, I think 5,000 entries each time they made it into the top 10. It was that close. That's really great, and I bet you anything. There's no disgrace Uh there. No disgrace there at all. No, no, and you know, that's the thing that that I really like to tell people is that when you have an award show, you know, it's really, really easy to think of it as a competition and that you're winning or you're losing, and that's it. Even people that don't get nominated, but in reality – all of the work that comes in is really great. The judges have such a hard time picking their favorites, and some of them have opinions and others have other opinions. And I think people don't really see what goes on in the background, and that's that certain people are so close to being nominated or they're so they're still so far up on the list that they just kind of take it as a win or a loss. They don't actually see that they're, you know, the fact that we're sharing their work or they're actually out there and they made a decision to enter. I mean, that's a huge step in itself. And so I love to encourage people like, look, just taking a step to entering a show is huge. It means that you're moving your career in the right direction because keep doing it and you are going to win something. But just know that it's not it's not competition. It's about getting yourself seen. And that's one of the reasons why we share everybody's work on our website. If they're interested, that's totally optional. And, um, you know, we also have those category honors that are things that judges choose. 
where we get to honor people outside of the the five nominees, you know, that best sci-fi podcast. Maybe it didn't make it in the nominees, but they were the best sci-fi podcast out there. Um, you know, we just try to do a number of different things mm-hmm. for people, and that's in every category for anybody that's listening. So that that way, our goal, our primary goal, is not a competition that people win. It's to get people's work seen and to get more exposure for everybody. And you started out. Uh, you started out with all this. Um, uh, you are a uh, you are a user experience designer. <laughs> yep. And, I still and, am. <laughs> and migrated, and you, you well, that's that might be the. What it comes in very handy. Let me tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I I was just uh, I was just uh, commenting to Susan that we need to, we need to overhaul our own website. We've done we made some major improvements, but you know there's always room for more. Uh, but uh, so the kind of just for the listening audience, what is a user experience designer? Well, think of it. There's a few different types as well. So think of it as a user experience designer is the person that's responsible for human interaction in technology or any digital medium that you use. So if you're working on, if you're, if you're a person and you're using Amazon.com, a whole Tyrion's, a whole team of user experience people actually had to sit down and plan your experience on a shopping site. Where do you, how do you shop? How do you add something to your shopping cart? Um, what's the easiest flow possible to make your experience the best? Uh, on mobile devices, it's building apps. It's building even with games. There's user experience designers that mm-hmm. are looking at the interaction that people have. Um, so it's, it's along those lines. You can just think of it as the person between you and technology. And the person's job is to make technology amazing for you to use. Now, not every company has that. So if you go to a website and you're clicking around and you can't find things, that's probably means that they didn't hire somebody like me to come on board. (laughs) Uh, But my, uh, my specific background is actually in, like I said, there's a number of different people. My, my specific background is in system architecture and like, um, you know, I used to do the back end of Microsoft's MSN content system. So I actually build the experience for the people that were building the websites. And then I also have a huge amount of experience in instructional design and e-learning. So I'm the person that does the entire website for the geekies. I put in all the content, I write everything and I try to make sure that that experience for people entering is really good. Um, of course we, we license the system. So once they get into the system, there's a few bugs. Uh, but it's really funny because we can't change certain functionality in the actual entry system, but I'm constantly getting on their ass about it. I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) You need to change it. Why does this not work? And I swear to God, they hate me. Because, <laughs> um, and they're, su- they're such great people that we license it from. They're a great company. Uh-huh. But I'm always in talks with the developer. And I'm like, see, nobody else is saying this because they don't have my background. But this experience sucks. And my people are mad that, they, that this doesn't work. And you need to fix it. And they're like, sorry, we can't. So um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Well, and I think the, this user design experience uh, kind of shows in your in your Skyrim parody series. I mean, it's it's you're parodying the Skyrim interface I in am, part, actually. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, Lydia could use a, a tweak or two. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, that's that's maybe a little bit about story and character. Uh, that go that goes above and beyond. But yeah, the Skyrim parodies was um, that comes into more of my producing, writing, storytelling background. Um, where I'm sure I've said this a million times, you know, I was playing the game and I was so obsessed with this game. So after about 80 hours of, of being with this woman, I mean, you get a relationship with these characters, right? And they're not even real. Oh, yeah. That I just found like all of her quirks and there were certain things that drove me crazy about her. And oh, it was look, like, it's a I cave. have to make a video oh, about this because it. I'm pretty sure everybody goes to this. And oh. lo and behold, millions of people went through it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I. That's why it's funny. Yeah, it was funny before, and then I I got a copy of Skyrim and I played it, and I. Uh, and I, suddenly, it I was confess, hilarious. So, yeah, suddenly, I, I, going back, it's hilarious because oh yeah, uh, the whole, you know, you're you're in a you're in a fight, you're losing the fight, and you you're out of potions, and what have you got in your inventory? Cabbage, cabbage, <laughs> cabbage, cabbage, apple, cabbage. Cabbage. Isn't it true? The cabbage actually, like, oh my god, we were shooting that, and everybody on set was just—it was nothing. Everything else was funny, but it was something about that freaking cabbage that just <laughs> took time. Everybody's like, ah, cabbage. <laughs> it was so great, and I think actually that was my DP's idea. I had all this whole list of food, and he's like hey, you should throw a cabbage in there. I was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. And I just started busting out laughing. I was like, okay, I think it's funny thinking about it. It's going to be great, like, biting into that And it shit. was, it was. Cabbages are just funny, you know. Some, yeah. some fruits and vegetables are funny. Bananas are funny. Broccoli, not funny. Yeah. No, broccoli is not very funny, is it? <laughs> Parsnips, hilarious. Well, um, it's funny you bring up the Skyrim parodies because I have been thinking about a new web series and Uh slightly video game related, uh, maybe different. We're trying to do something different, but I have partnered with a few people and uh, right now we're in the process of looking at funding because obviously that's a huge part of creating Mm -hmm. content and how realistic it is to get funding. But I will say that there might be something on the horizon there. We're just trying to figure out what it is that we want to do because you could have a funny idea but you still need to you know get the funds to make it happen oh well as soon as you know as soon as you get a little bit uh further along in that let us know absolutely we'd love to have you back and you can you know talk about it some more on the event horizon (laughs) so um you got uh what was it that you got started what was it that got you started on the 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 idea of of being an actress and uh oh i've been doing it probably i mean you hear this from most people you know when i was a little girl i was in dance class and my i i put on dance recitals and um uh, whatever like in my hometown um since i was like 4 or 5 and i think you know i'm in aries and so my parents very quickly realized that I was a performer. You know, I would dress up like Bruce Springsteen for my mom, and I would wear my dad's clothes. And I was four, so I was wearing my dad's clothes. Mm -hmm. And I had a guitar, and I'd go serenade her, and she was just like, oh, my God, you're so ridiculous. (laughs) And um, this continued throughout life, and I just, right away, I knew that I wanted to be an... Actually, I was constantly between being an artist and an actress. And so I really have done both forever. Um, I was an art major with an acting minor, um, 
you know, when I was younger, I think I was in fourth grade when I put up, put on my first play. So I actually got some producing in there as well. I wrote a play and I cast all my friends and my mom helped me make costumes and, and we went around to classrooms and we performed it and it was super short and it was this cute story about an old bunny and it's bunny family. And I don't even remember what it was, but I remember seeing a book and getting this idea and my parents were very encouraging about anything that we wanted to do in life you know they're they're the best parents in the world they were always just like it sounds ridiculous but if you want to do it go ahead um which was super cool because my mom is actually a huge geek she's really into sci-fi and fantasy and that's where I get my geekdom from and my dad's into British television and Doctor Who and um my mom was the first person in my family to be able to make last year's show. And so I gave her a little shout out in the audience and she was so that. happy. She was, that. she was like freaking out that this geek, geeky awards thing was happening and she was so proud. And I was like, see, I you told you I had video a plan. And all of these people <laughs> dressed in their finest to be there at your geeky awards show. And it was the first one and it went so well. Oh, and, I'm so happy. And, it was, and it, you know, the uh, the uh, 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 I, you weren't up there alone. I mean, the the spirit of the entire geekosphere was standing there with you, cheering you on. Because we, you know, as as a, a society, I think we wanted you to be able to do this. We oh, we felt that you guys are making me tear over here. <laughs> I'm tearing over here. I need to go get some tissue. <laughs> I got allergies. They're allergies. Allergies. You know, I'm, I I don't pretend to speak for everyone, but I, I do know that what you did uh, brought the least of us up to be in the sunshine for a little while. And that was really a, an amazing thing to watch. I really appreciate that. You know, I mean, that's kind of the, the nature of the show. And that's actually what spawned the idea for the show is that I, I'm that person, you know, I, I've never won an award for anything outside of, you know, high school sports. And I constantly felt like, wow, I'm working so hard, but I have to get to that level. Like, you know how long it's going to take me to win an Oscar? And what are the odds that I'm going to, or what are the odds I'm going to win an Emmy? It's a great thing to shoot for, but I just felt like there were so many people working hard, and especially in this you know world that we're living in right now with with the economy and and you know so many more people are self-employed because you know companies are shutting down and we're really moving into a, an era where people are taking care of themselves and they're doing what they love more than ever. But it's really hard to get recognition and a lot of people sit at home and they work all day and nobody knows who they are and so this was kind of the point of the show is not only are we focused on independent creators but then we're kind of putting this geek spin on it because that's some of the type of work that we will never see at the Academy Awards. I mean, thank God for Lord of the Rings, but how often does that happen? Yeah. You know, people people still people are respecting comic books more than ever, but they still see it as like a fun thing that a 14-year-old boy does or or oh, cute 13-year-old video gamers. I'm like, "Actually, no, you know, this dude over here is 50 and he's playing video games because it's cool and there's stories and there's amazing production that goes into this." So, I really appreciate that and I'm I'm very, very um, 
it's sometimes hard to get that point across because people, you know, you have to ask for some money for submissions to do admin stuff and to help cover the cost of the show because, you know, we're an independent production. We're not a mm-hmm. huge studio. And then you have to kind of tell people about this. And, and, you know, I was very grateful that that message didn't get lost in translation and that people thought, you know, who is this girl trying to put on this big event? Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that because that, that was our mission. And that's what I want people to think about when they think about the geekies. Well, and there's another aspect of this too. And, you know, uh, just for anybody who's listening, uh, the fact that the Geeky Awards has to charge an entry fee, don't let that put you off. Because, I mean, if, uh, for anybody who's doing filmmaking, look around at the film festivals. Just, exactly. you know, I dare you, just look up any one of them. There's an entry fee for every one of them. None of them can afford to give away those prizes for free. I mean, that funding has to come from somewhere. And it comes from those registration fees. Exactly, exactly. And I think that some people kind of lose track of that, that... Uh, you know, and I, uh, more more last year because it was the first year show, I got a lot of that. This year, actually, it's been very few and far in between because I think that people see the potential. Uh, you know, last year was hell for me, and then it's like once you do it, it's like, okay, it's still not easy, but easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I do get that every once in a while as people say, well, I don't want to pay. I don't think it's fair that I pay to win it, win an award. I should just be nominated. And I have to tell people, well, listen, here's the deal. The folks that are nominated are the folks that are already known. They're the celebrities, so of course they can get nominated. The People's Choice Award can ask for the people's votes for their favorite celebrities because they already made it. You know, the, the Academy Awards, those are people that you already know. So when you're talking about unknown talent, we have to do an incredible amount of marketing and research and administrative costs to get these people's names out there to even find these people in the first place. And that's why they have to go through the process of judging and us managing their stuff because we don't just look out there and say, you know, oh, we're going to take the top podcasters. We want everybody to get a chance. And so that's really part of the cost. And then, of course, Unlike a film festival, we put on a pretty damn big show, <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh, that is not cheap. Yeah, that's that's top um, you know, shelf I mean, we stuff. We don't we don't make money off of this. I mean, maybe maybe like ten years from now we might, but we actually invest. I invest a lot of my own money in the first year show. Um, even after submissions, you know, that doesn't even cover it. So, you know, all of these things just really help. And again, we try to promote people as much as possible by putting their stuff on the website so that they feel that they at least get something out of it. This is a big part of uh, what Krypton Radio is about as well. Um, If you look back over the last year's worth of the event horizon, you'll find a few headliners in there, but you'll also find a lot of people that nobody's heard of until they were on the event horizon. Exactly. And we do this to promote uh, people like Elizabeth Watasson, who uh, is a steampunk author, uh, uh, author of the, uh, uh, Susan, uh, what's the series? Uh, dark, dark, <laughs> dark Victorian. Dark Victorian series. Uh, she is not only a brilliant writer, but she is a Disney illustrator, a Disney. She was a former Disney animator and she illustrates all her own work. And then, uh, James Palmer, 
who runs Mechanoid Press, and it's it's his his thing is New Pulp, and uh, and people like this, and oh, and uh, Rocky Perry, the guy who wrote uh, the uh, the Luke Banderloft series, and which is awesome. now becoming a web series, and uh, he fought his way up from being illiterate. And he's written well, novels. It's not just illiterate. He's, he was, yeah, he was, he was he, severely dyslexic. He was severely dyslexic and taught himself to read so that he could write these stories. That's so and, Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, right, this is right. the stuff. This is the stuff. This is why we do this. We're here. We, we want to give everybody their spot in the sun or as much as we can. And that's why. Uh, this, that's why one of our mottos here is we all rise together. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, the folks that are winning Academy Awards don't deserve it or Emmys. It's, but there's something to be said for, you know, I think what happens a lot of times, um, again, because it's not about the artist. The artist is an artist is an artist and everybody deserves what they get. Um, I even wrote something last year where I said, you know, when I say the term indie, I'm refer- I'm not just referring to like you've never been heard of in your life, you know, there are still people that have some success, but I think people don't realize how hard it is to even get a little bit of success. Like I consider myself independent because, you know, I'm not raking in like billions of dollars and the world doesn't know my name. by Well, but you're not also not owned by a corporation. Exactly. You're not a a manufactured product. Exactly. And that's, and that's what people, um, you know, people that are successful in their business that are still independent, um, I think a lot of times they get a bad rap because it's like, oh, well, you already have success, so you don't need this award. Or you, and it's like, no, but what, why not getting promoted for what they have done? So I think that even the term indie kind of gets lost um, there. And that's why we're very clear in our categories of like, this is exactly what we mean by indie in this particular sense. This is what we accept because it's different for every industry. Um, but, you know, it like you said, you know, being part of a big corporation it's like there's this thing on tv where people networks and corporations and brands and companies they only care about celebrities that are known and so there aren't that many of them that actually want to support the up-and-coming creator and take a risk that that's what they're going to be promoting because they think well less people are going to watch this Um, And that is exactly why, you know, we do bring on some, I'm going to call them quote unquote, you know, celebrity geeks to present at the show and we give a few industry awards because we understand that. Um, But we don't go overboard and we don't, you know, make the show about them. (laughs) We're like kind of sprinkle them in there, but we do it in a way where they're actually there to celebrate the independent creator. You know, just because they're standing on stage presenting the award, the cool thing is they're presenting the award. So a celebrity could be presenting you and award which is super cool and they don't get to win them well and the they they bring some gravitas to the situation yeah and they bring uh they bring the eyeballs they bring the attention exactly exactly so that the people who win the awards can can uh, can have their moment and it's really about them so yeah yeah, this i think that's uh anybody can buy a carpet that's red but not everybody can walk a red carpet, you know. You get the difference there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, the 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 Skyrim parody series uh, that's it remains your your most prominent work of fiction. At the moment. <laughs> I 
know. It's because it was based off a video game. I love it. It's that's just well, and you got all your backgrounds for free, and that's fun, you know. And they're pretty high quality because it's Skyrim. Uh, but uh, the costuming was good, and the characters are hysterical. Thank you. you know, Thank uh, you. It's um, because you're other... so you're so on point with your your uh, your parodies and criticism of the the uh, game mechanics. And uh, and Lydia, earlier I mentioned that uh, you know the whole uh, the whole user experience with Lydia needs a tweak or two, and I think frankly Lydia herself needs a tweak or two. Yeah, because <laughs> she certainly deserves one. She's such an idiot. <laughs> but there's plenty awesome. more in your uh, IMDb entry. I see. There's Fight Class. There's Think Hero TV. What? Where else have we seen you? Um, well, I do a number of different things. I actually, uh, I haven't been producing content for that long, um, scripted content. That was one of the things that I did with Skyrim Parodies, um, because I actually had a whole comedy web series called Pucker, um, with a few friends of mine, and it was, like, super low budget, and, um, what ended up happening was we put them all out on YouTube, and they got a bunch of views, not nearly as much, because they were more original content, but everybody loved them, and then, um, unfortunately, when Google bought out YouTube, they had the whole, now you need to have a Google page and log in, and, and somehow our channel got deleted in that process, and it was really heartbreaking. Oh. Um, so yeah, it was really sad. We worked so hard on that series and we went to festivals and there's a few things out there, but we just were like, we're not going to make a new channel. This is stupid. Um, so what I ended up doing was because I'm an on-camera talent as well. Um, I do a lot of hosting, probably more hosting than acting these days. I just started booking shows. So I was, uh, the host for sciencefiction.com for thinkhero.com, um, covering geeky news, interviewing people, that sort of thing, going to premieres, doing red carpets. And then I wanted to do my own hosted show, which actually had two of them. One was called Out of This World, and it was um, the sci-fi and fantasy art. And so I made my, that was the first time I actually produced, wrote, produced, edited my own videos. So it was really cute. And I'll have to send you guys an example because I thought they came out really well for someone that didn't know what they were doing. Absolutely. And, send it to um, us and we'll put it on the uh, announcement article for when this airs, which is There you go. So I, I did, I did one at Comic-Con. I did one about fairy worlds and whatever. And then um, I started getting hired for stuff. And then that's when the Academy of Theatrical Combat came to me and they're like, we don't have a budget again. Like we don't ever have budgets um but we want to do this show about sword fighting and that's where fight class came into play so i did a lot of hosting stuff but then i kind of got a little burnout on that i think at one point i was hosting nine different shows and i had to quit like half of them Uh, i just kept taking the work i mean they they weren't very well paid so i I was trying to cram it in um you know lots of as many of them as you could to make it add up to a living exactly exactly um but then what happened was i I really wanted to get back to producing and doing scripted content, and so I couldn't really afford to do anything crazy like a whole full-out web series with you know scripted characters. So that's kind of how I came up with the first video, To Lydia with Love. It was actually just supposed to be fun. It was shot in my living room, and I thought it was funny. And it blew up, and it made me think, huh, everybody kind of wants to see more. Maybe I should make this a series. And that's kind of what happened. Um, and I went right from that into the Geeky Awards. So and I I'm haven't so even glad it did because since. it's it's a, it's riotously funny. I mean, if if you haven't played Skyrim, it's cute. But if you have played it, oh my 
God, it just hits the I love mark. this. Well, see, this just is really great because we're doing research on a new video game series type show, and um, we're looking for the right ingredients. You know, everybody kept asking me, well, are you going to do more Skyrim? Are you going to do more Skyrim? And I said, well, you know, we've kind of run out of characters, and, you know, I love the game, but it's it's kind of, you know, it came out and it was popular, and nobody's really wanting to fund this, so we have a little bit of a different idea, but similar but it's not that same context and so that's something that we really want to do because I think everybody loved those parodies and it was so much fun to make that we was we just want to make more and we actually want to make a full-on series with a similar concept similar but different <laughs> well there's a lot of games that deserve the parody treatment mm-hmm. no. yeah let, let, you should just name them off here so I can take some notes <laughs> Titanfall the new one oh the, yeah. the where where uh people work out their differences by bashing each other with giant 30 foot tall robots. I love that. <laughs> and you know, it's brand new on there's Xbox. Minecraft. Oh yeah. There's a lot of Minecraft stuff out there already. The though. props would be easy. They're all squares. They're cute. Oh my gosh. Minecraft. I tried playing that and I was like, no, I can't. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of visuals and, and mm-hmm. production and that it just drove me crazy. It was like, I can't. Yeah. The thing about Minecraft isn't what it looks like. It's what it does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, uh, it's so detailed that you can actually uh, uh, design and script your own fusion reactor and get it I know, working. I know, that's so, so, yeah. It's and if amazing. their visuals were as powerful as their p- gameplay and flow, it would really be something. But as it is, it's a way to annoy your parents for the most part. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it teaches, it, but it teaches you ecology and... and uh, uh, the basics of of economy and and what you need to, uh, you know, uh, asset and uh, inventory management, you know, for maintaining your a household. Really, you know, it it's got all kinds of things in it that are educational, but visually speaking, it's kind of blocks. <laughs> yeah, but your son blocks. managed to have an awesome costume at at uh, that oh, convention he, he went to he that did. was basically a painted box, and everyone. You know, he got the best comments on that. <laughs> oh, it's Steve. It's Steve. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, you know, if anybody listening wants to send me recommendations of this is my favorite game, and that'd be awesome. I mean, you know, that's the thing is Skyrim. Uh, who would, you know, nobody really thinks that there's things to parody when they play a video game, but I think pretty much all video games have those quirks. And um, that's kind of what we love about it. Legend <laughs> of Zelda would really have a awesome. wide appeal. What's up? Yeah. I say Legend of Zelda would have a very wide appeal because you've got, you know, about a whole generation on that one. Exactly, exactly. We're Well, we're doing our research now, kids. So. Right. Yeah, well, you know, like, if you like something like, and you're flinging fan, it out there. It's yeah. like in Legend of Zelda, do not kill a chicken. Oh, right. <laughs> do not kill a chicken. If you do, all the chickens in the world will gang up on you and peck you to death, and you'll be dead in thirty seconds. Oh my God, that's right! <laughs> I remember that. I see, and that's why that's why they do that. Yeah, because you walk, you're walking. I mean, how many times? In Sky, you oh, don't video game go. where you're just walking around and you're bored because you've been walking uh-huh. around, especially those adventure games. Yeah, well, and in Skyrim, like, even in yeah. Skyrim, if you whack a chicken, you know, you're like uh. Enemy number one in whatever village you just whacked that chicken That's in. That's amazing. I love it. You know, it. just as just as if you'd killed a person. <coughs> so, <Awesome. laughs> so um, 
where do you see i mean you're working in uh the 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 most recent thing you've done apart from the geeky awards is this web series mm -hmm. uh uh what's next what do you what do you see as the next form of media that you might explore actually um one of the things i'm working on right now is merchandising uh -huh. So um, we're just trying to come up with creative ways to do fun, geeky things. And so, um, God, I don't want to give it away. Say, uh, well, I, no, you can speak about it in general. We're, yeah, we're we did see the uh, Geeky Awards uh, trophy, which is also a toy. I'm like, I want one. Toy. It's so awesome. Yeah, my husband's company actually designed that. He's a he's a designer, uh, product designer, and he also does branding and logos. And he does a lot of work for sports brands. So he does that for all the geeks out there. I don't watch football either, but he does this new A11 FL um, team. And so he's been downstairs coming up with like logos for them. And and I one day I was like, you know, we really need to partner up and do something because you're an artist and you're amazing and I'm a geek and I know this biz. And so, um, we are, we're going to come up with something and we're going to see if it sticks and if it doesn't, oh, well, it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, we want to do some cool merchandising, some cool art for everybody. Yeah. So that's one of the things. That's, there's there's some very popular sports oriented video games. So, you know, there's, there's an overlap. Yeah, there we may go. we there may have go. we may have something to talk about with you later on. Come to think of it, because uh -oh. we've, we've got a we've got a like space too. opera in pre-production right yeah, now yeah, called Halfway it. Home. I love it, and uh, it's about life in the asteroid belt. That's so, awesome. Uh, what I want to know is we'll, we'll have to talk to you and later. Gravity, you've got you know, your, your things like. Uh, God, I can't say. Hyalai and Hyalai, You know, other ends of the planet, you know? <laughs> that sounds really amazing. Um, I'm a, obviously, we're big space fans over here. Um, and that sounds that sounds like a really cool idea. Is it a web series? Uh, well, it's it, going it, to start out. It will out, be an audio series. It will, it'll oh. be an audio series to start with, and then we're going to move it into a web series. Uh, yeah, and we, if you can find a place with one tenth of a gravity to shoot, I'll well, go we, don't, we don't we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. And we can then, use the same. You know what? Animation. The, the, we can use the same conceits that Star Trek did. Gravity, uh, gravity generators. I want to go. Well, we'll discuss this later. Going, but there are budgetary restrictions. You know, start. We can. That's why you and, go with animation. It's the same. Well, no, it doesn't save you any money to do that. It costs as much money to animate it as it does to to see how much work people goes on into wires. these things. This is why this is why we're uh, in mega research zone right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, destroys marriages though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, uh, but sports, sports and geekiness are not they're not enemies. My mother became a bit is a big Lakers fan, and when the day I told her your Lakers is my Star Trek, suddenly she understood me. Yeah, I'm actually a huge Red Sox fan. I love baseball. Mm -hmm. I don't really watch a lot of other sports just because of time. Um, but I love baseball. I've always loved baseball. It's actually how my husband and I met. So cool. we're we're very very big uh, fans. And I remember I was posting something because they you know they won the World Series, and um, 
they they got they've got the best fans on earth, Boston, and the people online were like, "What are you talking about? Where? Why are you talking about sports?" And I said, "Well, I'm geeky about the Red Sox. What are you talking about? Like, I'm, there's other things outside of of uh-huh. the geekdom, you know that we everybody love. has a fandom. You know, sometimes exactly. it's it's you know not sci-fi. Okay? I'm just cautious about the Red Sox, you know, because when you throw them in the laundry, they turn your clothes. Back. <laughs> question you know it's really it we're still not you know fully charged for the geeky awards this year yet i mean there's so much work that has to be done so i just honestly can't even think about anything else um until this this uh ship moves um seems like it does from the from the public's uh-huh. point of view, but it's still a lot of work it's to like, put it it's, together. But you are the powerful engine that moves the Queen Mary, and it doesn't steer fast, but it'll get there. Exactly. And speaking exactly. of you speaking know, of getting there, when <laughs> when is it? What month? I, we don't. I it's don't even August. know when I, it's. Is, is, is it in August again this year? Yeah, it's in August again it's right now. August. We are looking at August seventeenth, but we can't confirm. We've got. We've right. got a sponsor that might closer. want to bring on a musical act. And so uh-huh. there's a lot of moving parts that we haven't confirmed yet. And then all of those things get locked down as everybody comes on board. Is but right now it's going to be August 17th. So it'll be around the middle of August somewhere in there. Yeah, that's okay. our that's awesome. our month. We like August. Nothing else August is happening. August is good. Yeah. Well, it's we got the run up a... to the Emmys, but that's... That that's not going to conflict at the beginning. No, so award season starts in January ish, February. So we're all good, and then co- and then Comic Con's over. So we're well, good. Susan. Susan is the ed- uh, managing editor for Hollywood News Calendar. Oh, who thought it was a good idea to move the Oscars a month earlier? Because it was always between New Year's and the Oscars were all the other awards stuffed in, and yeah, then suddenly yeah. it was one third less than it was. Exactly. I wouldn't want to be a venue owner. Booking spaces has got to be insane. Yeah, yeah. During we don't you don't want to do anything during award season. The the other thing is you can't book talent to come. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have a time when everybody's not busy. You know that's why we thought about doing this during Comic Con, and it, it's no everybody's so busy. You know they're they're in a well, million they're all different places. Running around plugging their own shows. You know, yeah, or or shooting them. You exactly. know because that's exactly. that's production season as well. Yeah, exactly. And we run into the people that are shooting in the fall, mm-hmm. but, you know, we had to pick some month. <laughs> we yeah. actually, uh, it's funny, we actually chose August because, uh, last year because of Stan, that was the month. We we sat there a year, I think, in advance of the show. They, Powell was some of the first people I talked to, and they said, they said, look, we love, not Stan himself, but they said, we love this idea, and we really support you, mm-hmm. and they've been so wonderful. They've written articles, they've helped me get celebrity talent, they've been so amazing, um, and Powell, you know, that's his company, mm-hmm. and they said, and we will try to talk Stan into doing it, um, but we can't promise anything because he gets asked to do a lot of things, but here's his calendar, and here's the dates when he's free. I said, okay, that one, that's where we're going to do it, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not joking, we did that this year, I said, all right, well, he's got a con at this date, so um, he's somebody that you can't book in advance. We literally were back and forth with, we think he's going to come, but we're not sure until the week before the show. And it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Seth Green was definitely going to be there and all of everybody else. But um, the little known fact, Stan does not go out on Sundays. Uh, You know, the man needs a day off. He is a superhero, but he needs a day off. And um, 
we didn't know until a few days before the event that he finally said yes. And I remember I got the call from his security staff saying, let's talk. And it's the nicest people on the face of the earth. Everybody he works with is so great. And this guy said, hi, darling. He's like, you know, it's so-and-so. We're, we want to call to talk about security and where we're going to sit people at the event. And we need to invite a whole bunch more people. And, of course, we were sold out at the time. And, I'm, and I called my event planner and I said, holy crap, I don't care where you put this table but you need an extra table and just just move everything even if it's in a fire lane i don't care he needs another <laughs> table yeah. like we need two tables for oh my shit. god it's coming yeah and she's like i'm on it so uh <laughs> it was pretty crazy but it all worked out <laughs> just the amount of planning it takes to do something like this is just uh, uh yeah it's pretty it's uh, like as crazy as it looks it's got to be nine times crazier than that behind um, the curtain you know, it is because if you think about it, you know, we not only are we in submissions, so we're managing hundreds of entries and those people, that all has to go through judging. So we, we don't even, we're not even looking at the show yet. We're talking about that process. Oh, and then yeah. once those people are on board, we get our nominees, you know, we've got to look at seating. We've got to mm-hmm. look at guests and the venue and the equipment and there's the streaming live team and then there's the event team and then there's the publicity team and there's so many different people. Um, and then we have to make all that content in advance. Um, there's so many different moving parts that have to be in place for a show like this. And, uh, last year was my first year doing this event and I had people helping because I had no clue. It was like, I, I know how to do a production on camera, but I've never done a live event. And so thank God I learned quickly because now I have everything under, you know, in my brain of like, okay, this is exactly what we need to do. Oh, well, so. and it's, it's Winston Churchill said that the, the most carefully laid plans of war never withstand first contact with the enemy. And exactly. so did, did you have any major thing go wrong the first oh, time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When people that were there know this, people that were watching would never have a clue. Um, the production was phenomenal and that entire team was just incredible. Um, and thank God, because in the very beginning of the show, we actually had our event planner flake out on us and mm. kind of not set stuff up and I kind of vanish. About that. And so our all of our registration was behind. There were no registration tables set up. People were waiting in line for hours. And I remember I, I just hit the red carpet and I was in the middle of an interview and I was getting all of these texts on my phone. And I was like, oh, my God, what is happening out there? And people were like, what? I've been in line forever and blah, blah, blah. And so I left and I just wrote this text. I said, all hands on deck. Every single person right now needs to go outside and help me manage this line. And I went out there and it was mass chaos. But within like 20 minutes, um, because the production team was so amazing, they left their posts on stage and they came out and they hurtled everybody into the building. But at that point, I probably had about three drinks. My friend just kept handing them to me. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I hope this works because this everybody's really mad right now. Um, you know, they waited in line. Nothing was prepared for them, um, which is not my style at all. So this year I'm eagle-eyeing everybody. But um, that happened. But, you know, at the end of the day, the ship kind of was in place. And it's like, you know... You always tell actors this, if you go on a bad audition, you can start off rough, and if you just kind of stay in the moment and trust that everything has, is going to plan, that everything works out, and everything just happened to all work out 
Um, once people sat down and they were in their chairs and they saw the show and Stan came out, it's like everybody forgot about all that craziness. Um, but you know, it's a lesson learned. You have to know exactly what's happening at all times. And I think that's my thing is just making sure that all of the pieces are in place, not just one of the pieces. Well, and all of the, <laughs> all of the people as well. And that was a really exactly. unfortunate, uh, uh, thing that happened with uh, part of your team just sort of evaporating like that. Yeah, and it's very tough, and but you know it happens to everybody. And sure. you know, unfortunately, the person that has to apologize for everybody is me. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a lesson learned. It's it was nothing horrible um, that we couldn't manage. And I think the people that were there know, but nobody else kind of knew. Um, and again, you know, we're going to make sure that that's in place this year. Well, it's it's. Uh... It's one of those. It's one of those experiences that you live through, and yet go and you go. Oh yeah, I I know how to get around that one this time. Exactly. Well, and this then, time, but it's going to be. Um, yeah, this we, time it's going to be something else. You know. Yeah, you like, just have to make sure that the people you're working with are. Um, that's kind of a lesson I think in any business is mm-hmm. when push comes to shove, that people are going to follow through. And you know, I over the years you just meet the right people and you put that team together. And I feel like that team is kind of it. in place. We had pretty much everyone else on board was amazing and they'll be coming back um, yeah. from the writers to the directors to the producers to everybody that came on board. Um, if you look on IMDb, I honestly was putting in the credits and like, I don't even remember those many people being there, but these are all the people that worked on the game. <laughs> it's and it's, you're not huge. just building a staff either. You're building a family. Yeah. Because all exactly. those people have to work together as though they were family yeah. and get Exactly. Communicate and yell at each other Um, and get over their differences and be a family afterwards anyway. And and every once in a while you're gonna run into, you know, somebody that doesn't and it's it's life. You everybody runs. Yeah, it happens, you know. And but but uh uh when it does happen, uh you know, sometimes there's a really good reason. And and uh um like I had uh I was on a production once where uh uh the, the the giant robot thing didn't happen and everybody was all upset until we found out that the guy responsible for it was sick with pneumonia and couldn't get out of bed exactly and then all of a sudden the production was shut down and people were running over with chicken soup yeah exactly and i think you know and everything changed in, in a heartbeat as soon as we found that out yeah, and, and, you know, we are, we're at the end of the day, we're an independent production, and, you know, the difference, we're still professional, and, you know, we do things so much faster and cleaner and slicker than a lot of giant productions because we don't have all this drama or political crap to deal with. However, a giant network can hire the manpower, so if something goes wrong, you know, there's like 800 people there, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had to ask everybody kind of, you know, forgive me, but I apologize. And I made it up to a lot of people in various ways. So I think at the end of the day, you know, it ended up being really awesome. Well, it's, it's great being able to count on people who, I mean, it's what you, what you have around you. And it's very clear is that you've built up a team of people around you who believe in you and who believe in what you're doing. Yeah, and exactly. And it's so much fun to work on a team with other people who all share the same vision, who yeah. all feel that way about your project, you know, that or, was, or about uh, the project itself. That end. was the reason why, I mean, a lot of those people, including myself, were volunteers because they knew there wasn't a budget in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think all of them came on board because they believed in the project. And that's, you know, that's my 
my job as the, you know, the captain of the ship to make sure that everybody's appreciated, everybody feels that they're appreciated, everybody knows that they're doing something huge. And, you know, even before the show, I had a huge pep talk with everybody and was like, look, we, this is high risk. Nobody does award shows and nobody does them independently. And look what we've put together because all of you believed in it. And, you know, this audience is amazing and they're going to love that. And so I really hope that we can kind of keep that spirit alive and, um, you know, I have no intention of making it this big conglomerate thing. Um, you know, we're going to have to change it every year and make it fun. But I just hope that people can kind of see that and, and see it as an experience to watch something fun and to come and have fun with people that all just have great energy. I mean, anybody that was in that room knew that the energy was insane. It was like, wow, I've never been around so many, like, awesome, positive, happy people before and all just glowing over what we were putting together. And of course that started off with Stan coming and singing a song, which was so incredible. Um, but everybody was just so appreciative of the whole event. So we were only going to make it better. <laughs> so what, uh, uh, what inspires you? You know, helping people. Um, uh, that would, that was a, that was an easy one. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think this show is kind of a, a, like a combination of all of the things that I love. I'm very inspired by art and entertainment, you know, and that includes gaming and even technology. I'm inspired by people that are innovating and doing new things. And I feel that a lot of these independent artists are constantly doing that and putting themselves out there. Um, you know, I'm inspired by visuals and good storytelling and people that are able to put together, uh, something that looks amazing and also kind of tugs at your heart or makes you laugh at the same time. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, it's just really inspiring to have a family like that, that comes together in the name of helping other people, because, you know, that's, that's sort of my, my way of living is, you know, put the love out there and put the positive energy out there and, you know, lead by example. I actually have a little angel sitting on my desk and it says, and I saw this at the dollar store and I was like, well, it's weird I'm buying an angel, but it has a message inscribed on it and it says, make your actions inspire others. And that's kind of my goal in life is, you know, I'm inspired by so many people that take risks and take chances and try to change the world and make it a better place. Well, I want to be that type of person. And so, you know, that's kind of what inspires me and other people. So um, you are inspired by the same people whom you inspire. I find that well, I deliciously. So. <laughs> it's circular. It's self-feeding. I find this deliciously meta. I just watched The Lion King last night. It's the circle of life, baby. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Christian Nettepeck, uh, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> Stumbling <laughs> over my own teeth. Christian Nettepeck, thank you so much for joining us on the Event Horizon this evening. Thank you, guys. It has been, you've, you're just a delight to talk to. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. You have just heard episode 55 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for March 29th, 2014, with our special guest actress, writer, and producer, Miss Kristen Nettepak. Your hosts have been station manager Gene Turnbow and the station's executive producer, Susan Fox. Kristen Nettepak is the creator of the Geeky Awards, an award show by Geeks for Geeks, honoring the best indie-created entertainment, gaming, and art. 
She's also the creator and star of the Skyrim parodies. This episode will air again on Sunday, March 30th, 2014 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You will be able to find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The part of the science officer was played by renowned science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was played by Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Christine Cherry. And the role of the captain was voiced by science fiction writer Larry Niven. This show and its contents are copyrighted 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. Stay tuned for more great music and tonight's episode of X-1. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>